Welcome everybody. Time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense, brought to you by Asher Sales Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10-step process, giving you sales training and tools to close deals faster. I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies. John's guest is John Edwards, Executive Vice President, Communique, helping direct digital marketing and sales initiatives for both B2B and B2C clients. The title of the show is Digital Selling, Four Ways Elite B2B Competitors Master the Market. Over to you, John, for introductions. John Edwards, great to have you on the show as always. And I think as the people who stuck with us will realize this is our third session in a series of three about the whole area of digital excellence. And so it all really starts with you, I think, since you're the marketing guy. (laughs) Why don't you take off and just talk about the third and final topic, which is this digital excellence. But, you know, where where does that really fit in when you're talking about these elite B2B competitors, when we're looking at their paths to success? Well, John, first of all, thank you for having me back again. And this has been, a, I think, a great topic. You know, digital excellence really has three parts to it. And I think probably because today's topic is digital selling, let's talk about the first two, which we do review in some other podcasts, but let's just kind of quickly get caught up to where we are today. So in our first podcast, we talked about this notion of digital presence, which really dominates the top and the middle of the buyer journey or the sales funnel, depending upon your perspective. But, you know, digital presence really exists at all stages of the buyer's journey. And we can talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But at the highest level, digital presence, basically, you need to know five things about yourself and your competitors. And I'm just going to quickly kind of run through those. The first is, you know, what does Google think about you? You know, your reputation as represented by your domain authority, this can have a big impact on where you ultimately rank in search results. The second is knowing how and where you actually rank in those search results and where your competitors fall so that you can beat them, basically. How much awareness building and engagement are you getting in social media channels? And I'm going to put a special emphasis on LinkedIn for this particular audience. How impactful is your website once you do all that hard work? Someone actually visits you. Are you able to turn them into a lead, for example? And then finally, you know, do you have the tools to advance and marketing qualify that hard-won lead once they become known to you? So, you know, so you can effectively hand it over to sales. Very briefly, the second podcast, quite simply, was the alignment between digital selling, which is today's topic, and your digital presence. For me, the digital selling, and for us, included four things. The first two were your position and your promotion, basically your digital presence, those five things I talked about, combined with actual digital tactical execution. What are you doing online? The other one was your plan, which was the focus of the strategy podcast. And then finally, here we are today with this topic, digital selling, which happens at the bottom of the funnel, buyer journey, sales funnel, to close and win new deals and grow your share of wallet. So, John, let me kick it back to you. What are your thoughts in terms of where this all fits together? Well, gosh, I agree with that totally. And I I can remember 10, 15 years ago when you would ask the VP of sales, what kind of leads are they getting from marketing? He would say they're horrible. (laughs) And if you would ask the VP of marketing, what do you thought about what the salespeople do with their leads? He would say, we give them these great leads that are qualified and they don't follow up. So there's always been, I know you know this, Dave too, there's always been this tug of war and always that odds between sales and marketing. 
But what you just described shows that in today's world, they are totally interconnected. And we'll learn a little bit later in your talk that really marketing has taken over the first third of the sales cycle mm -hmm. in many, many B2B sales. And of course, in B2C sales, where you might close it, you know, right now, that takes over the whole process. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. You know, the that tug of war, it's interesting. You know, I think of COVID and that's, if anything, the scissors that just cut that rope. <laughs> you yeah. know, you, you all need to be pulling together, not against each other. Otherwise, it's just you're not doing the buyer any favors and you're certainly not favoring yourself. No, no, I totally agree. One thing you might explain a little bit further that becomes confusing to people is when you say the domain authority. Could you peel back the onion on that just a little bit? Maybe there's another cinema or two that for the lay person it would be, who would come across better than I know it all all the marketing guys know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, and again, it is definitely covered in that first podcast on digital presence, but at a high yeah. level, let's uh, analogize it to your credit score. You know, uh, the higher your credit score, the more money you can borrow at a lower cost. Domain authority is really it's a combination of factors that are well understood by companies that really follow Google very closely, their search algorithm, uh, in order to determine how you might rank in search results when you're going up against your competitors for the very same terms. So it's looking at things, the trust of the website, the quality of the content on the website, who is pointing to that content? What is their trust authority? Because you're going to get the goodwill, the lift when people of high reputation point to you. You also can get pulled back if a lot of low reputation sites are pointing to you. But basically, you know, Google doesn't publish their algorithm. They don't want you to game it. But the companies that really pay attention have good models for where you probably are going to fall. So that is a number. It's a KPI. It's a metric that we recommend people use as a proxy for the success of their reputation especially their website on the web and how that might translate into where you're going to fall in search results. So could you, for the audience, and especially for salespeople, because that's mainly the audience, really, salespeople, sales managers, and CEOs, could you give just general advice on what Google is looking for? An example would be videos. I think everybody knows Google likes videos. What are some of the top five things Google is really looking for that are timeless? Well, timeless is going to be, first of all, if you have content, and generally, let's start with blog articles, for example, which are really, really, you know, blogs as a tool within a website is built specifically for search engines to very easily understand what the nature of the content is, right? Between the way the subject line is written and the meta tags and the headers and all this, what we call technical SEO or search engine optimization, you know, blogs are one of those things that really lend themselves well. Well, even within a blog, one of the things that Google's going to be looking at is, well, there are several things. One is what is is it long form content or is it short you know there used to be a time when people would recommend 300 to 500 word blog articles well pretty much the, today that has flipped almost entirely google is rewarding content that is deeper and richer so the average blog post now is 1200 to 1500 words some of them get to 2500 words so you're better off writing probably fewer blog articles that are of higher quality and value you know you don't want to just pack it with words it needs to be good stuff but it also needs to be of a certain depth. And part of that also is when you have a good blog article, other websites are going to refer to it. They're going to point to your website. So when somebody does a search term on the nature of that, it's looking at all the other websites that are pointing to you 
about that piece of content and they're using it as a proxy for, well, heck, you know, if Fortune Magazine is pointing to my blog because I'm considered a subject matter expert on this particular topic, that is going to translate. It's going to translate, you know, algorithmically into a higher search result. Video is another one where Google's getting especially good now at actually looking at video and having tools to sort of just like they can understand what the content of a blog article is, what's the nature of this video? And then there's obviously shares and likes and other things. You know, there's just a lot of voting going on. I'll call it crowdsourcing. And, you know, the better your content is, the more people that come to your website, the more people that point to it, and all these other factors are really going to play a role in that ultimate single metric called domain authority. I don't want to over, you know, promise that that's the only one, but it is a key one. There's others. Each page has its own authority, for example. So you could earn a high authority on a page, maybe have a lower authority on your website, but still do okay. So this is the domain of search engine optimization. It's important because if you can get to the top of organic search results, what we call page one, where 95% of all searches end up, then you know the reward is a very long tail traffic being driven to your site months and months and months. So anyway, one-time investment, good piece of content, very long tail in terms of the traffic that it generates. It Really, that's the way to sort of think about it, I think, at a high level. That's great. Great information. And, you know, we've covered a little bit more about the, the how and the why. A couple of things we've covered before that are very important to return to. But let's let's talk quickly about why digital selling is important, especially today. David's great question. And uh, let's not take my word for it. You know, here's what Gartner and Forrester and McKinsey and others are, are saying today. First, 90% of sales interactions have moved to video conferencing slash web slash phone sales model. 75% of prospects now prefer to spend time with representatives remotely. These are sales reps. Buyers are valuing effective digital channels 250% more than traditional interactions. 99% of B2B buyers claim they will make self-service purchases in the future. So here's, let's have a big pause here. Because of that, 40% of sales managers intend to shift field sales to virtual sales in the future. And 80% of B2B interactions are going to occur in digital channels within the next five years. John Asher, what have I missed? I would add right what you just said, and that not only will 80% of the interactions be digital, but in many cases, the first one will be digital for sure. Mm -hmm. Where it's always almost always been the first one was a salesperson. I always like to say you can't get your second touch until you get your first touch. So <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. I wanted to go back to what's important on a website. You know, with, with somebody with a short attention span like me, if it takes like three seconds or five or whatever for the thing to load, you know, I'm I'm out of there. So how important is that? Super timely question. So I mentioned before that Google does not pre-announce its out. It doesn't talk about its algorithm because it doesn't want people to game it. And one of the times when they've broken that rule is this year. In May of 2021, Google has already shared that speed of page load is going to be a very important factor in its algorithm. So if you've got a website that loads slow because you got a lot of different files that are being called from different places, you have widgets in your WordPress site that are making remote calls and slowing page load down. If you've got images that really could just be, you know, 100K, but they're actually four meg files because that's the way you uploaded them. There's a lot of ways to quickly get in the penalty box. And this is true, especially with mobile. So where you might have three to five seconds on a web page on a desktop device, there's some really good data out there that says it's more like one to two seconds on a cell phone. Wow. 
given the fact that more than half of all web traffic is on a smartphone, really need to rethink how your website is loading, not just because of the user experience on those mobile devices, but because Google and others are going to put a real premium on it in short order. Oh, that's good. Good. So we've all heard of the forest and the trees, of course. And so if you kind of divide up the digital selling at a high level, might even be called digital marketing. But then when you get down to the tree level, it's really digital selling. It's time for the salesperson. Mm-hmm. So how would you discuss the makeup for the, you know, selling at the at the forest? I'll tell you what, it's interesting because, yeah, so it's it's sort of like fractals, right? As you zoom in on a fractal, it looks more like a fractal. I mean, keep drilling down. And so everybody has a forest. Digital, digital presence has its own sort of forest level. Digital strategy is a level above that. At the digital selling level, you know, for me, I see kind of four parts to it. And those four parts, we all have slightly different labels, but I can guarantee you, John, that the four that I'm going to share today align nicely with your proven sales methodologies. For me, I would call them the four T's, talent, tools, training, and team. So starting with your talent, do you have the right salespeople in the right role, engaging with your prospects in the right way, using online aptitude assessments? So that's one digital capability. Two, your tools. Are you engaging with those prospects where and how they want to interact with you digitally using the right online tools and platforms like LinkedIn Sales Navigator, video conferencing tools and platforms, CRM, et cetera? Third, your training. Do your salespeople have access to online learning platforms in order to sell more effectively in this rapidly changing digital world? And finally, your team. Do you have the right internal processes and sales leadership approaches to maximize the impact of that talent using your tools and the training that you either do or do not have access to? So, John Asher, do I have that about right? I think that's exactly right. Excellent. You know, it all starts with talent because when you look at the results for salespeople, the KPIs, as you mentioned, 50% of their results is based on their natural talent for sales. And then the other 50% is based on everything else we've all heard of, you know, product knowledge, selling skills, motivation, and then the tools you mentioned. So that's it's fundamentally, you have to start with the talent. Mm-hmm. And second, you got to give them sales training. And of course, that's all, all online now. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, it used to be 90% in person, 10% online, but now it's all, on, all online, as we know. And many of those tools now are online tools. Mm-hmm. And then the sales leadership can't be stuck in the old ways of doing the way they've always done the sales leadership. In fact, because of that, I just read recently, I thought it was 60%, but now 70% of sales managers are millennials. So in other words, the people who have been good in sales managers, the baby boomers, since they haven't been able to shift as well as the millennials to the whole digital world, most two-thirds now of the sales managers are millennials. And they got to be to keep up. So mm-hmm. I totally agree with your four your four pillars there. The four T's. I like the four <laughs> T's. <laughs> Excellent. I want to learn more about trees. <laughs> <laughs> what makes up digital selling at day to day tactical level? John Asher, take it away. What do you think? <laughs> well, so the first of all, salespeople are lucky, and they have a good marketing department like we have, John Edwards, and they deliver qualified leads to salespeople. That's a great thing. So whether they start with a qualified lead or they start with their own way to to do prospecting, 
research is always the first thing to do. And it's a little bit different now in the virtual world. It used to be a salesperson could research the company and be in pretty good shape. Now, since the buyer's challenges are different, and in many cases, their challenges of their customers are different, they expect salespeople to do more research, and even to the level of researching their competition and showing them where they stand with the competition. So research now is more important than ever, and they expect deeper research. Next, 80% of the leads now with B2B, business-to-business leads, start in LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is another must-have tool for salespeople. They can't just have LinkedIn. They have to know how to use LinkedIn. It's actually a very complicated platform. It takes a lot of work and training to get good at it. And then the elite salespeople will take it up another step to the sales navigator level. And we know from LinkedIn surveys and questions that if you are a salesperson and you have sales navigator as well as just LinkedIn, you get about a 7% lift rate in your closing. So they're going to research the buyer on Sales Navigator and understand all the buyer's background, which can always be useful in rapport building. Next, they will use another digital tool called Crystal Nose. And Crystal Nose is a website. You go to Crystal Nose, you put in the buyer's name, you put in the buyer's company, so you know you have the right person. Then smart software using advanced AI and machine learning techniques goes all throughout cyberspace, doing word association with the buyer's name and any other word on any website, any social media platform. If they've taken a disk profile or equivalent, that's factored in. And it comes back and within about a second, (laughs) it tells you which of the four basic personality styles the buyer is. And this has really helped salespeople because Historically, 80% of the salespeople in our country have been really great at selling to 25% of the prospects. And those are the prospects that are the same personality style as they are. All three of us are the same personality style, as we know. And they were not good at selling to the other 75% of the prospects, which are a different personality style. So Crystal knows not only tells you what style they are, but it tells you how to leave the most effective voicemail, how to send the most effective email, how to reach out and ask to connect with the most effective in-mail. So those are the great research tools now. Google, of course, to research the company. Another tool would be done in Bradstreet or associations to research their competition, LinkedIn, Sales Navigator, and Crystal Nose. And then once they're ready to reach out, Having looked at all the information about the personality, when they do reach out, their email or their in-mail or their voicemail will be targeted to the value to the buyer, not to the seller. So they'll be using words in their reach out, words like you, as opposed to I. I want to show you our great products. So it's all about them. Again, as John mentioned, Once they've got the lead and get agreement for a phone call or an interaction, it's much better now. And the buyers are telling us eight out of 10 buyers would much rather have a Zoom meeting than a phone call. So it's great to understand that, but you also now have to be an expert on these virtual uh, digital platforms like like Zoom. So if a salesperson doesn't know how to set one up, uh, gets the time zone incorrect, 
can't pull up a document like a proposal, can't modify the document in real time based on input from the buyer. You can't get the buyer to sign it with DocuSign or some other electronic way to get them to sign. Then they're pretty much out. So the tactical selling, the trees, so to speak, have moved. And some of them have grown taller and some of them have lost all their leaves. <laughs> but it's all now tuned to the virtual world. And the salespeople that can't keep up, they're gone, pretty much. And the other thing I think it means for the future is how many salespeople will a company need? Probably less. What kind of salespeople? Outside, inside, account managers, field reps? Well, you can see where this is all pointing. Almost everybody is going to be virtual most of the time. And inside and outside sales will have blurred, especially for the aptitude. So there's a little info about the trees, Dave. Well, I want to know, can we still have fun selling? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. It, it is a disruptive future. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Don't you think so, John Edwards? I do. And before I add to what John said, which I 100% agree with, John, there is a way in which a digital selling tactic can actually set you back. What's the worst thing that you can do once you get a proposal and you're ready to send it over to somebody? Oh, just email it to them and hope they're going to read it, sign it, and send it back. <laughs> and the reason is, who knows what the buyer is going to do with it? You might put it in a subfolder. She might uh, send it out to two other influencers or buyers in the company to get their input and their slam so they never get back to her. Or the buyer may look at it and go, oh, darn, they just missed this whole thing. They missed these two points. And so you may remember that old sales book. Some of the listeners may remember it. The name of the book is Hope is Not a Strategy. <laughs> so sending a proposal by email and hoping you're going to respond is uh, not a good strategy. And so a much better way to do it would be to tell them you have the proposal ready and propose another, say, a Zoom meeting and give them some dates and times when you'd be available and, and mention that if those aren't good, to suggest a date and time. And kind of national average, that works about two-thirds of the time. There is a third of the time when it wouldn't work, but most of us recognize those, and that would be, say, it's a big box retailer or maybe a Fortune 500 company or maybe the government. Then in those cases, you don't have any choice. you got to send a proposal in. Mm -hmm. But two-thirds of the time, it actually works. I'll take two thirds. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I guess I'll just finish up around the trees conversation is just to make sure that people understand that, uh, you know, your digital content and tools that move that buyer initially along in the first place, remember, engaged with them in social platforms or in search, got them to your website and they did a few things, raised their hand, downloaded a piece of content, became a lead. You know, the same kind of digital content and tools and technologies are also being engaged with at the end of the sales cycle when you're in the digital selling part of the journey, right? Where the salesperson yeah. is doing the research and they are interacting with the prospect and they are trying to, you know, close and win the deal. They're zigzagging back and forth. They're looking at your white papers late stage. They're looking at ROI calculators, especially ones that might be customized or tailored for that specific use case. They're looking at videos of product deployments that you've done projects you've completed, video testimonials. So, and, and even, you know, trust signals like ratings and industry affiliations and credentials and more. That's super. This is all very helpful. So how can our listeners go about learning more about getting some help with these things? 
reach out to myself, John Edwards. My email is J-E-D-W-A-R-D-S at communique.world. That's C-O-M-M-U-N-I-C-A. Our website is communica.world. You can always reach out to me or any member of the Asher team. We work very, very closely together on all kinds of things digital. So one way or the other, we'd be happy to answer your questions and carry the conversation forward. So Dave and John, thank you very much. And thank you. I want to remind our listeners about the APQ and, the, of course, the connection with Asher, that the Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. And this is important. Over 200 correlation studies have shown that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. And this is even more important now as we make this disruptive shift toward virtual selling. And as John pointed out, John Asher, the blurring of the lines of inside sales and outside sales. So go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941 to learn more about the APQ. That's Asher Strategies at 866-833-9941. And that's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to join us again next week at the same time. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Take it away. You've been listening to another episode of Asher Sales Sense right here on Asher Strategies Radio. 